Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for Wednesday of the 27th week of the year, October the 5th. Our reading this morning is a continuation of St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 and 7 through 14. Galatians, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, verses 7 through 14. And in this particular episode, you know, sometimes we have a notion that everything was idyllic and peaceful and without any kind of division or rancor in the early church. When you had Peter and Paul and James and John and the apostles, as well as those that they had selected to be disciples of theirs and to learn the way of the Lord, such as Timothy and Titus and Barnabas and so on. Uh, well, in our reading this morning, there is a uh, controversy and a confrontation. Yes, a controversy and a confrontation between St. Paul and St. Peter. Uh, St. Paul, uh, the great evangelist to the Gentiles, to bring the gospel to those who are not Jewish. And St. Peter, who was considered to be the apostle to the Jews, and of course, uh, the uh, head of the church at Jerusalem. And uh, he is the preeminent authority. And so Paul, after some of his journeys, he makes his way up to Jerusalem, and he has with him one of his close disciples, uh, Barnabas. And uh, they're also taking with them Titus. Remember, St. Paul will write letters to Titus as well as to Timothy. And uh, they go, and they have been presenting the gospel to the Gentiles in their particular uh, evangelical activity as the Lord has directed them. And uh, they are making their way to Jerusalem, and what they do uh, when they arrive is that they work through Peter uh, because they're in Jerusalem. And Peter is the apostle among the Jews, and Paul has been working among the Gentiles. And so Paul goes to the acknowledged pillars, James, Peter, and John, and uh, he gives them Barnabas with himself, and uh, he speaks to them so that they have his permission, the permission of Peter and James and John to, uh, to do the missionary work that they're doing, which they do. But a controversy arises when Peter uh, comes to Antioch and uh, he notices that what they're doing is Peter is taking meals with the Gentiles. Uh, and um, that's before James and John come on the scene. But when James and John arrive, Peter leaves 
to avoid trouble with the circumcised, that is, with James, John, and the Jews. And the rest of the Jews join in dissembling, that is, they all leave. First, they're eating with the Gentiles and having table fellowship with them, and they're uncircumcised. But then, when uh, James and John and the circumcised come, they get up and leave quickly. So there's now a clear division there. And Paul says, as soon as I observed this, I went straight uh, to uh, to Peter, and in the presence of all, I confronted him to his face. I said this to his face. If you who are a Jew are living according to Gentile ways rather than Jewish, by what logic do you force the Gentiles to adopt Jewish ways? In other words, if you're, if you're able to have table fellowship with the Gentiles, why are you demanding that the Gentiles adopt the Jewish ways? And you're causing a division and a dissembly between the two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, but all are one in Christ. So that's a very serious issue for the church because one of the marks of the church is that of unity and oneness. And so there is only one Christ, one gospel, one salvation. And so we see this this division arising in the early church. And of course, we'll see over time that of course it settles itself. We're all, all one in Christ. But at times we forget that the church is made up of human beings, that uh, the church is founded on Christ, who is its foundation, its capstone. But at the same time, it's human beings that are entrusted with the church. And we're flawed, we're imperfect, we're sinful, we're in need of forgiveness, from the Pope down to the a humblest of uh, members of the church and all in between. We all fall short of the glory of God, as St. Paul will say. And we're all in need of mercy and understanding. And at times we often think that the church is this perfect, perfect entity on earth. It's not. It's not. Because it has been entrusted to sinful, flawed, limited human beings. Again, all of us, Pope to the most humble. We're all in need of God's mercy and forgiveness. And so it's important for us to remember that because the church itself is in need of prayer. We say in the Eucharistic prayer, you know, that the Holy Spirit will keep the church as a faithful sign of unity and a vessel of God's peace, a sign of unity. Christ prays for the unity of the church the night before he dies, that they all may be one, as I and you, Father, and you and me, that they may be one in us, one of the marks of the church, holy, Catholic, apostolic, universal. 
a oneness, a unity. And every division in the church is a wound on the body of Christ. And so each day we should, as part of our prayers, pray for the unity and peace within the church. The church is called to be a sign of unity and a vessel of peace. And so we know that the church also has its controversies, its difficulties, even today. Some people do not like or have uh, difficulty with some of the Pope's statements uh, in various matters of uh, the environment or social justice and all of these other kind of issues that arise. Uh, but he is the vicar of Christ. He is the one that the Holy Spirit through the cardinals, has selected to be the leader, the image of Christ in its fullness on earth. And so in these kinds of times, it's important for us to pray and to do our part to be one with the body of Christ, to pray not simply for the Pope, but to pray that we ourselves come to an understanding. Perhaps we're not fully understanding what's being said. Perhaps we're not fully open to what is being said. But the church as the body of Christ needs prayer. It's not just a praying church. It's a church that needs to receive prayer. And so each day, one of our important uh, petitions, our intentions in our own prayer, is that in the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ may be one. As, Christ, as Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus, united by the Holy Spirit, that we may reflect that oneness that's in God, that it may be in the church on earth, so that we can be a sign to the world that in its divisions and in its strife, in its controversies, tragically in its wars, it may indeed lay those aside and be one, for in that unity we reflect the unity that is present in Almighty God. So let us today include in our prayers the unity and peace within the church, and that those who are entrusted with caring for the church, that they always be guided by the Holy Spirit. God bless you.